Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. This week, we've got Kyle Ferris as our guest, resident metalhead. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you're going to be hearing a lot of different styles today than uh, you've heard in the last few episodes. Uh, so, Kyle, tell us about how you got started in music. We've got kind of a shared past. Yes. So I got started when I was probably 12 years old or so. Um, Somewhere around there. Honestly, that I think that I got into Slipknot, man. Like that was, <laughs> like my family's all into music, and we actually have musicians uh, that are pretty legit country musicians. And I didn't know how legit they were until later on. But uh, yeah, I got into metal music, and we were getting into punk music when mm-hmm. we were skateboarding and and stuff like that. And you introduced me to ska, and uh, I wasn't really into ska. I don't know. I I was into the. Uh, the more dissonant and depressing yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> punk was our common our common yeah. link. You moved more into metal, and I moved more into ska. But punk was our our common uh, link, and we were we yeah. were in a band together. Our, well, we were technically in the first band I was ever in together called the Sycophants. I broke it up. Yeah, <laughs> you, you did a little bit. I mean, well, we started off as a ska band, and when you're in eighth grade, it's really hard to get eight people to. Practice first of all, and then <laughs> to re- yeah. rehearsal schedule must be lovely. Yeah, transportation is probably a problem. Yeah. And also the middle of the woods in the Poconos. True, and no one knew how to play their instruments. Yeah, that- <laughs> I really didn't know how to create ska at all. <laughs> so that fell apart pretty quickly. But then we formed three of us formed a band called Only on Tuesdays. Yeah, and played at the Gong Show. We played. We also played at the. Do you remember the formal? Oh, yeah, that was, what was that? When we were in ninth grade, we played at the eighth grade yes. formal or something? Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. That was a... fun. Which makes no sense in <laughs> that retrospect. That must have been an exciting gig, though. You were like... Who, yeah, it but was. whoever thought that was a good idea for us in our <laughs> punk band, that, like, we, nobody could understand a word I was singing. You're absolutely right. And I think most people had a great time. Yeah, they, they thought it was cool. Some people so. hated it. I remember getting I'm shouted sure at. I'm sure some people hated it, but... but yeah, it was that was definitely an experience. Yeah. And we also played a bunch of legit shows. Like the first the first show we played was at Toast and yeah. uh we opened for Slightly Askew, which and Straighten Up Right also played yeah. on that show. Yeah. Um and then we played a whole bunch more shows there. That was so much fun. Like Yeah. That place. We opened for the River City Rebels. I think that was like the biggest band. I'm we ever shocked opened that for. you remember this stuff. Well, that made a big impact. They were on Victory Records. That was pretty, pretty big. Yeah. At that time, big I time. don't think I really understood that. Really, I was just along for the ride. Like it was fun, which is ironic because, like, as the lead singer and only guitar songwriter, player, yeah. yeah, like you'd think that I would be more attentive to who we're playing with and you know all that nope not at all well you were less into punk at that point overall i think um but i think that it's sort of interesting like not that we were on the forefront of like punk music or anything like that but when we were in high school there was like a scene and there were a lot fewer people in bands i feel like there were two like two bands in our high school yeah and so we got to play all the time, and it was fun. Now, yeah. I guess they didn't have a battle of the bands ever. <laughs> they, well, they did, but they brought people from other schools. Yeah, they did. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which seemed a little unfair to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You wouldn't>. like, 
I want to win because we're the only band. I was gonna say, I'm not sure we would have won. <laughs> so they're bringing in the heavies for me, Strauss, but did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so that's kind of interesting. Like, I I don't know. I don't know how to book a show now. You know what I mean? But we were yeah. like getting so many shows then. It was fun. Yeah. All right. We've dug through the depths of my computer and pulled up an early recording for you to hear. This is Kyle and I in our high school band, Only on Tuesdays. The song is The Drop D Disco, and this was recorded when we were in ninth grade. your your tastes expanded i know that you've gone uh you know more more into the metal with things that you listen to but we also you also asked me this week to listen to a snarky puppy song yeah that i enjoyed yeah. quite a bit yeah so i've i've definitely branched out a lot because i enjoy all music it's not just a matter of like i i do enjoy the fact that metal music really pushes the envelope in a lot of areas complexity However, and yeah speed what I, and things like that what i realized over time is like there are other genres that are doing the same thing it's just that like in mainstream you you're not hearing a lot of that and so that was what i was being exposed to where it's just like all right they they threw some new like they do the sampling and and you know stuff like that that i was hearing i know that there's other stuff in, like, out there like mainstream pop music yeah However, like getting into uh, particularly jazz, that that kind of blew my mind when I started hearing what jazz musicians can actually accomplish. You know, yeah. it's it's fantastic. And and what I I I stick to when there's fusion. That's mm-hmm. something I don't know what it is about fusion music when you when you combine a couple of different styles. That's that's my favorite. So uh, something that's most recently coming up is a style called gent which which is d-j-e-n-t and this is this is an interesting thing because like some people will make fun of it because they basically they they play like eight string guitars and they i guess it kind of all it's like the uh a lot of like staccato kind of riffs where it's like like that kind of stuff but they they'll go crazy with time signatures and crazy with like they they do the jazz fusion if you listen to like animals as leisure 
animals as leaders they do a lot of that stuff where they incorporate so many different genres and even uh there's a guy named jason richardson who is a phenomenal guitarist like absolutely blows my mind what's funny is his work in his actual band is nothing compared in my opinion nothing compared to what he does in his solo work he has a song where he he starts doing chicken picking like what is that it's a it's a style of picking that is from country music uh if you listen to brad paisley he does it and he does it really really well uh i think leonard skinner even does it occasionally but this guy's chicken picking and it's like wait what like (laughs) and it it makes no sense in the context of the song you're just like it's this epic like it builds up and then all of a sudden it's just chicken picking in like country music and you're you're sitting there like i'm being blindsided by music right now can you demonstrate what chicken picking is because i i I don't listen to brad paisley it's you know what it is like imitate it with it's like i i don't know how to really or i'll hand you a guitar can you do it uh I'm not nearly okay. as skilled. Right. It's 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 a like a very intense plucking. Oh, okay. You know, so like finger they, picking, but they'll do finger finger picking, and uh, the the plucking is just very pronounced. Okay, almost like slap style mixed with finger picking. Kind of. Okay. It's check look it out up, sometime. Uh, look up chicken yeah, picking on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up, we've got a recording from our session today. This is a piece that Kyle wrote, and it's him on guitar me on bass, and Dave on drums. a lot of things 
You're yeah. not you're not a professional musician, and that sets you apart from the people we've had on this so far. Uh, most of the people we've had in this podcast are pursuing a career in music, or you know, already have a career in music, and so we understand. I understand the motivation for me to go home and play music. Yeah. What? How do you find the time, and how do you find the motivation to keep your chops up and to continue playing? Is it is it stress release for you? Is it yeah, definitely that. <laughs> Finding the time is the difficult part. Uh, I think that it's just one of those things I never want to let it go. You know, I, I spent so many hours when I was a teenager. And, you know, I'm sure that both of you can relate where it's just like three hours a day to get good at what I want to be good at. Mm-hmm. And around the time that I went to college, I wanted to be a pastor. And as much as music was a part of my life, it was just kind of like, well, and I know some pastors do both, but I wanted to dedicate my my efforts towards that. I also had the unfortunate, uh, I don't know, circumstances of, of people that were musicians kind of drawing away. Because when you transfer to college, like the high school friendships are, are kind of dissipating and uh, you have, you know, like the, the new friendships that you form. I'm usually the only metalhead that I know. <laughs> And it's that that creates uh, some difficulty in in finding people to play with and, and staying motivated. Yeah, because it's like it, it. I'll tell you if I'm if I know that I'm going to jam with somebody, I I can write music so much. It, it's just like it flows out of me because I'm motivated and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to show this to somebody. But when I have nobody to show it to, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I'm kind of a similar way with different instruments. Like I would play bass on some of these recordings and I don't play bass unless I need to, which yeah. sometimes I need to, you know, for my own recordings and stuff like that. But it's not something I've kept up with as far as practicing. Cause I just, there's no reason to, I guess, but yeah. Sometimes you need that kick in the butt. To... You, yeah. Can you go oh, a little closer? Right? closer? Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes you need that kick in the butt. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your favorite thing that we did today? I'm I'm a huge fan of the percussion. Like yeah. I love doing that kind of jamming because first of all, I don't have to worry about notes. Yep. That's like <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons why like drums are my jam instrument. I you know, like you put me in a center like like being on the guitar. I've been playing long enough now that I'm I'm decent with just going with the flow, but even still it's like that's that's somewhat nerve-wracking to me you put me on drums i'm just like yo do whatever like i'll follow like <laughs> yeah it's just so much fun to me. i agree there's no more fun instrument to jam on <laughs> than the drums <laughs> yeah my problem when i jam on the drums is that i always want to be just like one click more complex than i can handle sometimes two <laughs> clicks so like whatever i do i i'm either bored or sloppy and i usually yeah. Just go more complex and sloppy than yeah. <laughs> being bored. But I guess that's why I don't play drums on this podcast. But but well, it's, I was gonna say that's I feel like that's um, it's like the community or um, when you go to play guitar, for example, like the nerves of like oh, there's notes like, or there's um, yeah. there's pitch to worry about. Yeah, like with that stuff, I feel like um, it's that connection of like whatever comes into my head, can it come out my hand? And I yeah. feel like on a percussion instrument, if you're removing pitch, then in like the rhythm, it's easier to just. Yeah, Flow I think you're out. right. It's easier it's to a, think ahead. Yeah, and just plan the out idea that's do. in your head. Yeah. You're so much more used to just, you know, what I mean, your whole body you've been using as a unit longer than you've been using 
your fingers or picks yeah, on the guitar neck. Definitely. Yeah. And as far as flute with me, it's easy to do that if I'm by myself or with if I'm just with a percussionist. Right, because once again, then it's a... Like, <laughs> I don't have any... That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's more of like holding up to like, what was my motive before? <laughs> right, yeah. And even that's a struggle for me, you know, yeah, finding repetition and not just going completely like uh, stream of consciousness with my notes. But yeah, um, do you... When you're at home, I assume your uh, compositions mainly come from improvisation. Is that true? That's true. I've I've also explored Guitar Pro, where actually the last thing that I posted on Facebook, I wrote entirely on Guitar Pro, which okay, was so that's really like a, unusual. A tab uh, input yeah, notation. Yeah. And so I also I'll write the drum music as well. And that's been such a blessing because I can write out the drums and then play it back so that I could play the guitar along with them. Nice. And so it was cool though, to write something and then have to teach myself my own song. Frustrating sometimes, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) It, it legitimately, there's, there was a solo in one of the songs that I wrote where it sounded so good in guitar pro, even on that dinky, it sounds like, yeah, yeah. Even on that, it was like, man, this sounds great. And I could not, I still cannot do the, I think they're like 30 second notes or something like that, where I'm just like, oh man. And then I listen to Jason Richardson and he does that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what in the world is he doing? <laughs> what does he hand? not have a full-time job and run a charity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way too. Like if I was practicing the flute or the guitar or whatever, I don't know. It's frustrating and comforting too, because like. I know that if I put three hours or six hours a day in, how good I would be. Yeah. It's comforting to know, like, I, if I really need to, when, <laughs> when I go back to grad school, I can get good again. But, but yeah, I, we work all the time, and yeah, I don't have the time. And I remember when I was in grad school, like, my teacher saying that, like, you guys need to practice now because this is the time you're going to have to practice. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, the pros that you're competing with for, for jobs, they don't practice. They yeah. got good, and they, they play their gigs, and they're not playing six hours a day and whatever. I guess some of them are. But. Yeah, I'm still clinging to all the practice that I did all those years ago to be as good as I am today. Yeah, uh, me and too. I, I don't know if you, as musicians, you've heard this, but there was a, a quote that I heard from somebody that said something like, if, if I don't practice uh, for a day, I notice. If I don't practice for a week... Other musicians will start to notice, and if I don't practice for like a year, everybody else <laughs> yeah. notices. Yeah, and that's how I feel about like guitar. Like you might not notice. Well, you guys probably would, but like other people would probably have no idea that I don't play like every single week. But you know, it's that's all contingent upon, upon all those hours the that foundation. I put in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like raising your plateau of what is your what is your base level that like. Yeah. <laughs> It's like on my worst day, I now can't go any below here. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Now, you know, like, yeah. you're raising that bedrock of yeah. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever returned to your instrument after like not playing it for a little while, and you you're like, I'm better than I was before. What just happened? Yes, <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, that is that's wild. That's not motivating <laughs> me to practice more. I'm just like, hey, at this rate, if I get, take a year off, I'm going to be awesome. <laughs> no, I I. There's there's limits to that I think, yeah. but as, as, especially with a wind instrument, um, there are bad habits that you get into, and you know, forcing the tone sometimes and not letting it be kind of free and yeah. overthinking things is something that can happen. And also, it has to do with you know how 
supple my face is and how flexible my lips are. So sometimes taking a, a break for a week or something can be beneficial, but yeah, it's not beneficial to take every week off and play once <laughs> yeah. a day or once a month, but or whatever, four times a week, a month. But um, I think to an extent it's, it's necessary. When I was in grad school, I think there was, I think I took a month off at one point because I like felt like I just needed a break. Maybe that happened. Yeah, I think that did happen. It was over a Christmas break, and and I got my flute fixed, and I took a month off. Maybe it was a week. No, it was a week. Yeah, it wasn't a month. <laughs> it, it felt was like a week. month at the time. I think it did, yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a bad story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a listen to one of those percussion trios from today. This is all three of us improvising freely together on various percussion instruments. One of the more interesting instruments you'll hear on this track is called a boomba. It's essentially a cross between an elementary school's percussion cabinet and a pogo stick.
did you ever listen to like math rock stuff like um yeah like i don't know a lot of it but i mean like i i loved battles when they first hit the scene um and then in the fusion realm just i love zappa so like 70s zappa and the mothers in the early 70s is like yeah so i haven't actually listened to either of those guys but i know math rock and i love i love the integration of there there was a band a while back that did uh the the number pi they so they they would do like a a breakdown but it was pi so like three one four so it was like like whatever whatever pi is in da da does and you listen to that, and it's just like, okay, so on the level of you had to memorize Pi, that's that's impressive. Secondly, you're playing Pi. <laughs> that's also super impressive. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of weirdness to it, but it's it's so cool that people can do that. And and a lot of the metal bands, if you listen to metal today, like back when it f- when breakdowns really first started, it was like, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. And that's basically it. Like, you have, like, the three notes or something like that back-to-back. Yeah. Back. And Change now, the feel and keep yeah, it simple. And now it's, it's that. so complex. Like, you listen to August Burns Red, and if you try to follow their rhythms, you can't figure out which time signature they went into for the breakdown. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to bob your head to it, and you're just kind of like, you, you stutter your your head bob stutters because yeah. you're like wait 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 oh okay now i'm back all right good <laughs> and i i love that because then it challenges me and makes me think more about the music if if a music if i'm listening to music that's predictable that's not i, I don't find that as interesting and so if i can find a i think that's what draws me to music that's like that's metal and gent because if i listen to it the fourth time and i still have no clue what the heck they're doing <laughs> then i'm i'm drawn in and i'm yeah. i'm like i want to keep listening i want to figure it out yeah so it's like a puzzle for you yeah i can totally relate to that that's yeah yeah i got into prog rock in very much the same way yeah, where exactly. it's just um yeah, trying to decode and deconstruct, and you listen back a hundred times yeah. till you break down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> break down what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. I would be very interesting. I would be very interested to hear what happened if you went to school for music. Yeah, I. W- <laughs> I'll tell you, it would be so fun because I. So, part of what I do for a living, I, I'm a problem solver. Like that is essentially like I identify performance gaps in organizations and and we have to come up with solutions for those those problems and what's funny about that is like i didn't recognize how much of a love i had for problem solving until i was older so like now that i'm there and i and then it just all came together where it's like that's why i like that style of music because it forces me to think and problem solve and understand like what in the world are they doing and so my wife had like the past couple of uh presents that she's given me she's given me like rubik's cubes and like stuff like that (laughs) that because i love those fidgety kind of things where it's just like and when i found out sudoku existed i went through a sudoku (laughs) phase (laughs) like yeah, it's it's interesting how that works. I was going to ask you, like, you were always one of those people who, like, you could just set your mind to something and then get good at it, yeah. no matter what it was. Yeah. Have you had any other uh, random useless skills or useful skills that you've just, like, developed over the past couple well, years, you, other than Sudoku? The past couple of years. Or, um, I mean, later than that. Well, you remember when I got really... I'll, I'll say really decent at hacky sack. Yeah, right? I remember that. So that was weird. Um, <laughs> that was, I still say that that's one of the like oddest things that I'm really good at where it's just like, this has no real use anymore. I don't, I don't hang out on college campuses, so no. I cannot do it anywhere. Um, 
they're increasingly a rare sight on there. I'm That's sure. true. <laughs> they are. I don't think I saw many people hacking when I went to yeah. college either. <laughs> Next, we have a more structured improv we did today with Kyle on guitar, myself on flute, and Dave on drums. At the beginning, Kyle and I agreed on the basic chord changes, then we jumped in from there. So I mentioned a little bit ago that you also run a charity. You want to talk a little bit about yeah. that, plug that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So the charity is called The Way Home. It's uh, we're, we're all about fighting homelessness in Lower Bucks County in particular, hopefully expanding over the years. So what we do is we basically rent a house from a landlord, and then we sublet it out to our to the guys that come through our program. Um, 
it's important to understand that homelessness is a, a spectrum. So like you have the, the person that's like on the street corner yelling at himself or herself. And then you have the, the individual that just lost his job or her job. And, uh, you know, everything's just kind of falling apart. And the, the people that are down on their luck that, that end up on the streets, they fall down to the other side of the spectrum if they don't get the services that they need. So that like you might have sense. somebody that is, is not an alcoholic or, or somebody that abuses substances. And when they get onto the streets, they, they find bad coping mechanisms yeah. and they fall all the way down to the side where they might end up insane, where they're, they're yelling at themselves or something like that. And it, that's, that's so important because if you, if you find that point where you can interrupt that pattern, um, you can you can essentially get them off the streets permanently. The further along they go, the harder it is to to reassimilate them, not just into housing but into society. Sure. And so Do you yeah. have. I mean, uh, maybe this is an unfair question, but and I'm sure it's different from person to person. But uh, uh, how long does it take to to get that progression? Are you working? You know, trying to get to these people within the first month of so we serve, homelessness ideally or what? we serve people that are by hud's definition chronically homeless okay. so they've had two instances of homelessness i i believe it's within a year or so i i don't remember the exact definition but yeah that that basically is the the standard by which we we assess like is this person compatible with our program because we we are a niche we we serve men it's not like we do we work with women and children and the reason for that what's interesting about homelessness is you have like a lot of services for women and children which is f perfectly understandable i mean they're they they are the most vulnerable on the streets however that leaves a huge gap in social services for men where the women and children are then taken care of and they're actually the glorious like everybody is like if they're going to donate to a charity they they choose that because mm -hmm. it's like they're women and children they also see them as more victims rather than like villains whereas a lot of the the feedback that you get for homeless men is like oh they could have done this or they could have done that and it's not always the case you know that's and so our model is a housing first model which is it and it's not entirely housing first because i know that there are some like there are some bad associations with that but essentially the model is instead of trying to get them through like substance abuse programs or anything like that get them into a house first and then work that stuff out later and that that is a very effective model and we've we are evidence of that because f we've had 40 men come through a program and 37 of them have found permanent housing on the other side. It's great. And yeah. that's, that's insane. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And a lot of that is due to Forrest Kemmerer, who's our executive director and uh, the, the other people on our team. They, they've, I came into this in January and was voted as president of the board in, uh, in June. So I had kind of a quick turnaround and that's because our previous president's stepped down because his like our bylaws basically said like two years and i believe it's two years okay. and the uh the president has to step down not not off the board entirely but just from the the position of president it's interesting and so yeah it was just kind of like it fell into my lap which is great like i i do yeah. organizational development you for like problem career. solving <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's funny because like funding is tricky you know it's so hard because we don't accept government funding and part of that is because it 
that creates more of a more of an overhead. So like let's say that the government wants to give us $15,000 a year or something like that. We would then have to abide by certain standards that we might not agree with and right. might actually hinder the mission. And right. so instead of doing that, we we get these private donations and we're f- hoping to find like local businesses and uh and other philanthropists that want to invest in in the community. And that's another side of the way home that I really appreciate. And one of the things that probably drew me to want to be on the board was it wasn't just about helping the guys. It was about helping the community. An important thing to recognize about homelessness is it's not just harming the individual that's homeless. It's harming the community that, that then forms ideas that aren't always correct. And also like if, if you get into the habit of seeing this homeless person on a regular basis and doing nothing about it, you become numb to it. And so it's important to like bridge that gap. So the guys that come through a program, they actually, they also go out and do volunteer work as a part of our program. And so we're, we're giving them responsibility. We're giving them that, uh, like basically like you guys are humans. Like the, this is not a service to you. This is basically just like, we're bringing you into our community and saying like, here are your responsibilities. You, you meet these responsibilities and everything's good. Like, let's just, and, and they grow out of that and then they find their housing on the other side. How long do uh, they typically, the average person typically stay there? It ranges. Uh, we have, we have one guy who will likely be there until he retires, um, which is actually very close. It's not like 30 (laughs) years down the line. Um, but he's, he's so close that it's like, he'll he'll end up in a retirement home or something along those lines and so so for somebody like that and that's another element of what we do it's not like we if if we had government funding they might say like you have to have a turnaround time of like six months right and we we don't want to do that we want to make sure that these guys get what they need and if what they really need is just working with us, then we're going to be there for them and so you have the the one guy that comes through in in one month he's come to sufficiency and he he can do what he needs to do and then you have somebody that's like four months and then maybe the next person who's 12 months um or somebody that's going to retire through interesting so and where can people go to find out more or donate yeah twhhousing.org that's twhhousing.org excellent yeah we have a facebook page we have i think we're on linkedin as well now so sweet yeah yeah very cool and thank you yeah thank you guys for let me talk about it a little yeah, bit. You're welcome. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, we do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> and what we can is bring you on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we have a platform. Great. Yeah. I'm glad we can use it for something good. Um, that's honestly something that, like, I think probably as musicians, I, I'll speak for myself. As a musician, that's something that I kind of struggle with is, like, the frivolity of what we're doing. And I know that making music impacts other people and helps people. Um, but it's hard to see that when it's not in a, you know, tangible way where people are, when you're, you know, if you're a big artist, people are emailing you and say, your music saved my life and blah, blah, blah. When that's not happening, it's hard to kind of reconcile aiming for this career, which seems kind of selfish. So, so in light of that, (laughs) I think, I think it's important to recognize that like, your your music wouldn't only reach the people that might be saying like your music saved my life but it's also motivating people like me who are 
in that full-time kind of role. So, like, it it's interesting. Like, music keeps me sane. So these guys in all these bands that I listen to, they have no idea, but they're impacting the ministry that I do with, with The Way Home because that helps stabilize me and keep me keep me level headed so that when I'm when I go from work at Toll Brothers to work at the way home, I, I'm not feeling so overwhelmed because that's music helps me process. So the arts, it's not to me like, yeah, if you look at it like I'm doing this solely for myself, then like I don't know. I don't think that anybody really does that in music. Like they want to be heard. Yeah. You know, they want to they want to contribute to some degree and connect with listeners. And, yeah. 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 I mean like there are, I'm sure there are also I'm pretty sure Prince had so many songs that he wrote that nobody has ever heard. So he he wrote a lot for himself, <laughs> but but at the same time like you know, if you're if you're getting, but your even music that, out I there. mean, you're you're that's practice for the things that he did put out, yeah. and so even you know, I'm sure a lot of stuff that didn't, you know, he uh, made it into his other work and helped anyway. Uh, the the thing that at least kind of grounds me is teaching. I really like being able to kind of be a mentor once a week for middle school kids who yeah. are <laughs> always going through a rough time. I have students who I've taught from fourth grade and they're now in high school. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, that's a fun sort of thing to get to see as well. Yeah. yeah. For our last session track today, we have another one of our percussion trio improvisations. There's a similar instrumentation, but we all rotated this time to mix things up.
thank you, Kyle, for joining us. Thank you, thank listeners. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, listeners, thank you for joining us. Go back and listen to our other episodes. You'll hear something very different on every single one. And uh, we'll see you next month. Just another quick word before the theme music. This episode marks six months of Sean and Dave Make Music, so we wanted to say thank you sincerely to all our listeners. Thanks for all the support. Um, please help spread the word to all your friends. Rate us and review us on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Uh, we really appreciate it. As you've probably noticed, each month we start the show with a new interpretation of our theme song featuring the guest artist. This month, to mark our six-month anniversary, Dave has compiled a really cool and bizarre sound collage to serve as our outro music. It features all the versions of our themes recorded to date aligned so that the melodies start right at the exact same moment. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you next month with a new guest artist. Thanks. Thanks.